Hello, and thank you for listening to the Broncos Podcast Network. I am Phil Milani, joined as always by Eric Dalala. We are back for another great episode of Broncos Country Throwback. This time, running back John Keyworth joins Jim Sakamano. Yeah, Phil, John Keyworth spent seven years with the Denver Broncos. Of course, before joining Denver, he was a running back at the University of Colorado. Excited to hear from a member of that 1977 team that, of course, went to the team's first Super Bowl. Without further ado, let's get to Jim Sakamano's conversation with John Keyworth. I am delighted to be talking today on Broncos Country Throwback with John Keyworth, one of the outstanding members of the Orange Crush offense back in 1977 and for a half dozen years bracketing that. Now, there are two kinds of listeners, I figure, John, people who know all about you and are fascinated and love the fact that you're on, and others that we may be educating a bit who just aren't as familiar with, uh, you know, time gone by and players gone by. So uh, <laughs> I figure I figure we can tell them a little of both, right, John? No problem. John, you were a great player at the University of Colorado. Dave Logan has told me that when he got to see you, you more than anybody else really maybe showed him the ropes and uh, and showed him how to play. You were a terrific running back, John. Well, it was an interesting um, uh, adventure up at CU, and it was really one that really did test your love for the game. You know, back in in those kinds of days, uh, you know, uh, training camps were absolutely brutal. Uh, Everything was just you know, just go after it, hit as hard as you can. Basically, you know, no no consideration for anything in the sense of we got to keep certain people healthy or we do this. But that was, you know, back in, my gosh, 1969, 1970, 1971. You know, those were the years. And Eddie Crowder really did take a great advantage of that, you know, and and really to the point of detriment relative to the players uh, themselves, uh, not only health-wise, but also emotionally. Uh, Eddie was a very abusive uh, coach, and he um, uh, was not well-respected. I remember this one time that the entire – everybody was uh, up at the top of the hill, and the practice field was down at the very bottom of the hill. And all of a sudden, we got everybody, you know, out – uh, and we're ready to go downhill. And then uh, Herb Orbit basically basically says, stop, stop, what's happening? Where are the black guys? And we all looked around and we're thinking, yeah, where are the black guys? And Eddie Crowder basically started pounding on, you know, his clipboard and saying, if you don't get your asses down to that field in five minutes, you're all going to be running 50-50. And Herb Orvis said, hell no. If we don't go down this, you know, this, this hill as a team, we don't go down. We want to know where the black guys are and what's going on. And you got to remember, Herb Orvis, that was his first year with us. Herb Orvis. Yeah, he just passed away. I know that. And I, I wept.
John? Yeah, I'm still here. Oh, okay. That was a but tough I time went. when her passed away. Yes. You do. I'm sorry, John. I'm. No, it's okay. You know, Don't be sorry. I know. I, it's one of those things that you never feel sorry for what someone teaches you. And her being an ex-Vietnam veteran and actually going through absolute hell in the sense of what he did before he got to see you, you know, he was the one that basically brought that 1971 team alive. He was the one that gave it the backbone. He was the one, <clears throat> you know, that raised the level. And it was all done by example. You don't see that very much anymore today because the money has become so big. And, you know, and there's so much out there in the sense of distraction. But just in that moment, as we're standing waiting to go downhill, you know, and Herb Orbis looks at Edie Crowder and says, if we don't go down as a team, we don't go down. Mm -hmm. Where are the black guys? You know, and that kind of a stand at that kind of a moment really turned that entire team within ourselves. And we became so close, so tight, so loving toward one another, the esprit de corps, the camaraderie. You know, it was just incredible and everyone felt it. But it was Herb himself at that one moment, at that one time that basically gave me a lesson that I will never, ever forget yeah. for the rest of my life. Yeah, I, I know what you mean, um, John. I was actually, uh, once upon a time, we had a draft in the military, and I was drafted, and I was actually in the service 70 to 72. And I wow. know what you mean about some of the, yeah, some of the bonds you make, they're um, unbreakable forever. And, um, and I understand that it's nobody's fault. But times are different today. In a way, some of the things from today are a product of things in our society being so good. You'd never want them not to be so good, but so good. And people get used to them being so good. But uh, they haven't, you know, they haven't gone through some of the things that, that you did. So you were a terrific player at CU. Then you get you got drafted by the, if I'm not mistaken, the Washington Redskins drafted you. How did you come to the Broncos? It was because of Kay Dalton. Uh, one of the things that happened was the fact that Eddie fired Kay Dalton uh, uh, at the uh, end of, of my fifth year. And, uh, and Kay knew what I could do. Uh, and, you know, I didn't play a down of football my very last year in college, primarily because of the fact that Eddie Crowder and I could not see eye to eye and, and we neither did respect each other. I, I, uh, Eddie Crowder was an abuser, and he was a—he uh, was basically one who turned things upside down just to make sure that he came out on top. I uh, wasn't an honest man or, or a very good coach, but the fact is, Kay Dalton was fired by by um, um, Kay Dalton, or Kay Dalton was fired by Eddie Crowder, came down and picked up by John Ralston. And then when my senior year came up, I mean, you got to realize my senior year, I didn't play it down of football hardly. And you still I got played, drafted by the Redskins. I got drafted by the Redskins. And then it was Kay Dalton who basically put the bug in John Ralston's ear to said, this kid can play. 
Oh and yeah. He gave him some. He gave him some background on what was going up at CU, and then they basically traded for me, and and I'm back with Kate Alton and in Denver. Yeah, and I remember, you know, even when I joined the Broncos, you were at, at kind of like the end of your career a little bit, but um, but you had 3,700 total yards from scrimmage. Uh, your rookie year, you scored something like 10 or 11 touchdowns as a fullback back in the day when the fullback was still a, a ball carrier and a, and a big part of the game, catching and receiving. Well, you got to remember those touchdowns were uh, were mo- never more than probably a yard. <laughs> I know that, John, but still, still, you got that's very that's very magnanimous of you to say that. I know that too, but uh, still, you did. But the coolest thing of all, and it's very hard to explain what 1977 was like if you were here and a part of it in 1977. Magic. It was incredible magic. And what I mean by magic, let me give you an example of what happened. You know, this is a team um, that basically the leaders of the team went to Jerry and Alan Phipps and told Jerry that we cannot win with Ralston. And, you know, the thing that was so surprising was the fact that, you know, John Ralston's a great guy, but he Mm -hmm. could not basically get down to where the players needed him to get in order to be able to uplift them and inspire them and teach them and lead them, you know, and that's one of the things that, that is so valuable, you know, in the sense of what happened when Red Miller came. And let me tell you, this was the very last day and we basically found out, you know, all of the final, um, you know, cuts. And so when we walked, when we came in that day for the practice, you know, all of the cuts have been taking place. And anyways, Red comes into the locker room and it's real this quiet. This is 77, right? Yes, this is at the beginning of the 77 season. Um, and it was one of those things. And this was actually prior to, um, you know, training camp. Sure. So, so anyways, what, what had happened is that we're in the locker room and, you know, and, and, and uh, uh, oh, come on, Jack. Um, um, <laughs> it's okay, John. Kate Dalton. No, not Kate Dalton. It's a uh, head oh, coach, Red Miller. Yeah. And so I, I'm just trying to, to stay organized here, guys. But anyways, Red um, came in the locker room and he was, you know, just talking to different guys. And, and then he goes up over, um, you know, and he goes behind Lumpy. Remember Glenn Hyde, right? Oh, I love Lumpy. <laughs> Who didn't love Craig, Lumpy? Yeah. Anyways, well, Craig, uh, or, uh, uh, Red Miller just goes up behind Lump, you know, against uh, Glenn and, and basically grabs him and throws him on the ground and they start wrestling. This is oh my the God. first time that he comes into the locker room. That's red. He gets yeah. down on his name, on his, and he starts wrestling with Glenn Lumpy Hyde. And the fact is, we're all sitting there going, what the hell is this? And then we started <laughs> uh-huh. cheering. We started cheering. And those are the moments at the very first instance of that season that we were together as a team and with coaches that we came together under those circumstances with 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 the love and the appreciation and the gratitude 
And, you know, that, inst- that, that thing that we had, it was a bonding moment that most people don't even understand how something like that could happen. But you had to be part of, you had to be there in the sense you, of that emotion. Can you imagine coming up from behind and starting a fight with Lumpy Hyde? <laughs> it's, unima- it's unimaginable. It's insane. I know, but I don't know. I don't know if Red and Lumpy talked about it, but it was one of those things that when it took place, we're going, holy, holy, holy. you know, you're going, this can't happen. We're going to all get fired, you know, know, but that was the, that was the atmosphere. And that was the spirit, which red, how can I say it? He brought, and that spirit was, was, was with every one of the coaches that he hired to help him, you know, build this team. And he had the full support, you know, of the, of the office and the owners. And it was one of the most incredible experiences that I'll ever, ever have in my entire life. Was yeah, that first I've always, year? It was incredible. Yeah. I've always thought that if you look at all the Bronco games ever, certainly the Super Bowls that you've won, they're unspeakable. They're on top of every list. And then I've thought in '77, the 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 playoff, the two playoff games. And going to the Super Bowl is like in the same class as the drive, if you will. Without winning a Super Bowl, actually, it's, it's, it was so unbelievable to the city of Denver, to the fans. And, and gosh, I hate to mention this because I'm not trying to ask you to sing it. But you, the coaches show was the biggest thing on TV. It was like it had a rate of 60. It was unbelievable. This is before cable. And I can remember you being on it and performing, make those miracles happen. <laughs> I had to be and, whipped for thinking it or something. Oh, but, but, you know, when I think about it, though, when I think about it, just take that song and apply it to modern, to, to today. You know, make those miracles happen one more time. You have to make those miracles happen. How cool was that and, and how descriptive it was of what was going on with that football team in 1977. Well, you know, the spirit that was with that 1977, really from the moment we hit camp until the end of the season itself, before the playoffs started, there were people, Mary Ruth, uh, Don and Mary Ruth uh, Wyant were the ones that put that, that wrote that song and basically put it together and made it happen. And, and this was the magic that was happening. I had a restaurant during that year on South Broadway. And after one of the, you know, um, you know, after we closed the doors, you know, we stood around with some friends and, and some, you know, some of the other players, but anyways, Donna, Mary, Ruth, Lyon were there and they said, you know, we've got to get a song that really describes what's happened in this season. And I said, wow, that would be, that would be incredible. And so anyways, you know, two weeks later, I get a call and they say, we've got it. I got what? We've got this. Oh, you got the song. No kidding. You got it done. And so anyways, we, you know, we go up there and I listen to her sing it, you know, with the piano. And it was one of those things I'm saying, whoa, this is, this is going to be interesting. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And what happened? 
it basically is still the fastest selling single in Colorado history. And it, you know, I don't know how, what really what the final numbers were in the sense of the, but you know, on on the internet and you know a lot of different places, you know, there's a, a heck of a lot of people that remember it because they're they remind me of it. They're grateful for it. Where can I find find some of it? You know, but it was a song that was a rallying point that really not only included the players and the hearts of the players, but also it, it really was something that brought the entire state of Colorado together on an emotional and an intellectual as well as a spiritual being in the sense of you got to make those miracles happen on your own. Mm-hmm. I've been a winner a, a long, long time and nobody knew it but me. You know, it was those kinds of statements that were put into song that 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 just absolutely rang and filtered in within all of the people in Colorado that had a love for the Broncos and that really, you know, had the respect for, you know, the, the years and years and years that they had played without very much success. Mm-mm. And this was the very first year. And you got to remember, we had some great players, Bobby Anderson, and we had uh, Floyd Little, and then we had a whole bunch of other but these are the guys that basically I learned from, you know, and, and it's even though they were not part of that team, they were in, in the hearts of, of the players that they helped along the way. And that's the kind of team that we had in 1977. It was a team that was full of love, esprit de corps, camaraderie. You know, no one was, was basically left out. No one was isolated. It was I don't think I've ever or ever will be on a team that had that much love for each other than we did. You know, one thing that I think is neat, John, and um, it wasn't this way once upon a time, but I won't mention the name of that coach. But generally speaking, under most of the coaches that we've had, including now, if you were like to call and say, I'm coming tomorrow, they'd say, are you kidding and they'd say, hey, okay, team, John Keyworth is coming tomorrow. And they would treat you like you ought to be treated in terms of love and respect. It would be a great thing, John. And, of course, we got COVID and everything else. So I'm not saying that. You know, you know what I mean, though, I John. There'll, be a, no, there'll I, be a future. Where do you live now, John? I live, we live in uh, Blackfoot, um, Idaho. Oh, and, so you're uh, a ways away. Okay. Well, it's, you know, we lived on the Western Slope in Colorado and Montrose for a period of like four and a half years. And we were we were just very happy living in our trailer and traveling around from here to there and there to here. But anyways, what happened is that, you know, we went through some of the, 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 the things of the NFL relative to the concussion settlement. Oh, gotcha. And, yeah. And so anyways, we were able to move up here and and we don't know really why we're here yet. But we do know we do know that this is where God wants us at this time and at this moment. Well, I think it's interesting that on Facebook, I told my wife that maybe not every day, but it seems like almost every day, you include something of a religious or military or military uh, the nation something that you say agree or disagree or whatever, and and I think that's very cool because. It's always very cool to speak your mind and everything, John. 
it's so needed, especially in these always in these days yeah. that we're we're faced right now with. You know, there's the need for humility and the need for greater love and the need for greater understanding and the ability to be able to reach out and help other people who are down is is very very important and again that's what that's what the savior himself had done it's a great example but you know that's part of the the process of growing and understanding and learning and it really started with that team in 77 with that love that esprit de corps that camaraderie you know, those are the kinds of things that make things happen in a good sense. And those are the mm-hmm. kinds of things that I would di- direly hope that Denver can somehow, as a community in the entire state of Colorado, can come together in this in this incredible love, esprit de corps yeah. and camaraderie. Well, and, and because, yeah, because no one is alone. No, and, and you know, fortunately, you're not the only one saying that. And I think enough people say that, enough people say it enough times that I, I think, I think this is one of those situations in which people uh, are more likely to put out a hand and pull somebody out of the boat. You know, exactly. John, exactly. I don't suppose. Now, I'm not trying to get weepy myself here, but <laughs> I don't suppose it's at all possible that I could ask you to sing just a little bit. I can barely say it, John, of make those miracles happen. Hey, baby, does a chicken have lips? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I've been a winner a long, long time. And nobody knew it but me. When I was down on the bottom, up was hard to see. But there's one thing about a winner, mm-hmm. he keeps coming back again till some kind of miracle happens and winners finally win. You gotta make those miracles happen. Come on, guys, sing. Make those <laughs> miracles happen. Nobody, nobody does it alone. And if you're down and you want to get up and you want to drink from the winner's cup, you got to make those miracles happen on your own. Wow. I can't give you the kind of applause you deserve, John. (laughs) But I can tell you, I can tell you that in the symbol of eternity that goes around and around, Everybody has their place. And in Denver Broncos history, everybody has their place. And there will never be another like you or another moment like 1977. Well, for me in that year, um, hmm, it's, it's, it's tough. You know, you hear about those players that have succumbed that were a part of that yeah. 70s year <clears throat> and it's difficult well it is john but you know we're all again we're all we're all you know we're all um spokes on the same wheel yes we are and um anyway it, it's a great thing and you've made a great contribution 
not just to one team that won a title, but to a, a city, a, a time zone, you know, Broncos country, however you want to def- define it. How the heck do you talk about Broncos country without talking about make those miracles happen or the fullback on that 77 team? And well, um, before we both I, fall over I, ourselves and drown in tears, <laughs> down, I think I'll say I'll thank you very much for doing this. I've got you on my uh, my uh, phone list, and uh, I wish you and your spouse nothing but seashells and sunsets. You know, even though you're in Blackfoot, uh, plenty of uh, sunsets and so forth, and nothing but happy times and and continuing to peddle the message that you peddle all the time, which is one of grace and goodness and positivity. I love you, my friend, and you take care. Thank you. You too, John. Thank you very much. That was Jim Sakamano's conversation with John Keyworth. Phil, I always uh, like hearing from these guys from that 1977 team. It was a different era, but of course, the first sustained success this team really had. Yeah, and so much talk goes to the Orange Crush defense, deservedly so, but nice to hear from a, a member of that offense, John Keyworth. If you enjoy conversations like this, make sure you subscribe to Broncos Country Throwback, as well as the other shows on the Broncos Podcast Network. You can find uh, shows like The Neutral Zone, uh, Entre Amigos, and uh, also introducing The Snap Now. So make sure you check that out. You can uh, download Broncos Country Throwback anywhere you find your favorite podcast. That's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, and now on iHeartRadio. We'll be back with another episode next week. But until then, for Jim Sakamano and Eric Dalala, I'm Phil Milani. Yeah.